over $100,000 in part-time referral commissions last year. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. Today, I'm joined by a longtime Side Hustle Show listener who reached out with a unique side hustle, what is essentially a part-time local lead generation website. Link Moser runs nhfinehomes.com, which features high-end luxury, like lakefront, waterfront, New Hampshire real estate. And so how it works in a nutshell is uh, prospective buyers find the site, usually through Google or through SEO. And when they reach out for more information, Link can either work with them himself as a real estate agent, or what happens more often is, okay, I'm going to pass that lead along to one of my referral partners in exchange for a percentage of the agent's commission if and when that prospect eventually buys a house. Link, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Thanks, Nick. I'm excited to be here. Me as well, because we're going to be looking at through this model, this local lead generation website model through the lens of real estate, but really could be applied across a variety of niches, especially ones with high customer acquisition costs or where the value of a new customer is worth a lot. It's just a twist on the uh, affiliate marketing model that we're probably all familiar with, except instead of sending people to Amazon for a 4% commission on a $30 to $50 product, we're sending people to real estate agents for a 0.05 to 0.07% commission on a million dollar product. And it adds up to be quite a bit more. But you've been at this for a while at NH Fine Homes. If you were starting over, if you had to come up with a an ancillary niche or something like, you know, where where do you get your gears turning, or what may what might make an appealing market to try and enter for somebody just starting out? Looking at that through that lens, high dollar worth transactions where you can put the effort into to create some lead that has value. If it's not residential real estate, you could stay along those lines with commercial real estate, certainly high ticket transactions there. Business sales is another one that actually does not require licensure as far as I know in most locations. So, you know, there are organizations out there looking to buy businesses and there are success fees that are easily six figures just for making a warm introduction of someone who you may know who may be looking to sell a business. And, you know, that's one I have not looked into yet but it it if i was starting over that's a place i think i'd look to see because there is um there's a lot of capital on the sidelines looking for small businesses and you know beyond that i think you know you look in the consumer segment i mean you you there aren't many transactions that are going to be much larger than business acquisitions or real estate you could go downstream and i think there are some elective healthcare things. Uh, and these are not things I know a lot about, but things like plastic surgery, I think certainly some things in the home service sectors, uh, certainly some types of landscaping, some of those projects can have pretty big dollar values. So I think I'd, I'd go where the money is. Right. Roofing, uh, you know, solar panel installs, kitchen remodels, like some higher ticket items. The business sales one is really interesting is there have been niche brokerages that have popped up some like in the uh, Amazon FBA space specifically come to mind. But if you could build the resource, we just had Jono on a couple of weeks ago talking about his laundromat purchase. It's like, okay, could you build, you know, not, not just like the generic business brokerage website that consolidates all these listings, but like, oh, we're going to 
specialize in one little niche. I just want to snipe off the, this one segment and aggregate these, pull all these together. Like if you want to buy a laundromat, we're your go-to source. And then you send off these uh, referral leads to the uh, eventual broker there. I think that's a really interesting one. It, it is. I think it, and it sort of just that came up as you asked the question, but I I think there's opportunity there for, for people, especially if someone has some familiarity with a particular niche or an interest in it within that segment. You know, don't, don't the riches are in the, in the niches, as they say, right? Yeah, and it's somewhat data-driven, and we'll talk about how you're pulling data from the MLS and not necessarily having to ton of, create a ton of unique, you know, topical content on, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, it couldn't hurt to do that. On uh, the real estate side, kind of like I think you alluded to, a license would be required, which may be seen as a, as a hurdle to some, a barrier to entry, a competitive advantage to others. But uh, can you speak to what, that might look like if somebody wants to follow your footsteps and say, okay, I could create the niche, you know, real estate thing for, you know, something in my area. So each state has some different variations in the rules. Uh, today, the testing is still two tests, multiple choice. Um, certainly not the hardest test uh, that any human has ever taken by any means. And most states have an education requirement, but it's a matter of, at least here in New Hampshire, 40 hours that you, you can do online now. And it's quite economical. For 500 bucks or so, you can you can get the schooling done, take the test, and if you pass the first time, you, you've got a real estate license. So it's also a license that is pretty economical to hang on to. So again, here, the costs are around a thousand dollars a year so it lends itself very well to a side hustle or a part-time gig and that's that's kind of how it's always been for me i never considered myself a full-time real estate agent and by having that license it's allowed me just as you said to participate in referral fees as well as as practice uh, uh real estate so you've got both those levers to pull on um you if you have the time you can practice traditional real estate with buyers or sellers. But where this came for me was sort of life got busy and some other interests I have as well as family. And, you know, you could, you could take a lead, you could go out and because it's a commission driven industry and the pay is all on the backside, you can have some wild goose chases. So as I got older, my time became a more valuable commodity. And I, I also learned that you know, we know what we know, and there's certainly some areas where I get leads that I did not know. And so I was not the best person to go and take a, a prospective buyer to a, a lake that I didn't have knowledge of. So I started referring these out to other people who did have that knowledge. And when those occasionally a check would come in, you know, six months later, oh, hey, we, we sold the, the Smiths uh, a house on the lake. You know, it was, wow, geez, all I had to do was send an email. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of where I like oh, that, that's a, a better you know if you look at your hourly rate for just forwarding a lead, they may not all pan out, but you haven't lost the the hours and the drive time that could happen if you were actually trying to work it. Right, and what's interesting, a couple things. It sounds like this is a a well established practice in real estate. Like there's an understanding amongst both parties. Like hey, we yeah, we're happy to pay for leads because it's kind of on a performance basis. If we don't close the deal, nobody's getting paid anyway. So it's like, you know. Yeah, it's, it, and it, you know, typically, you can't price fix numbers, but uh, 25% is pretty common in the industry for a referral fee. So if I if I send you a prospect, you close a piece of business, uh, you, you agree on that number prior to, to doing that. But that's that's 
pretty typical, I think, what people do. Now, it can be above, it can be lower, but I think that's a good rule of thumb to work with. Okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to call out was in the age of Zillow and Redfin and these like big aggregator sites that are trying to be everything to everyone real estate wise saying like, no, there's still an opportunity for a, you know, a smaller site to come in and carve out a little niche. And you've done this with New Hampshire, lakefront, waterfront properties, which definitely got my gears turning. I'm like, well, we got some lakes near here. We got some, you know, vacation style home, maybe some like mountain second home cabin type of real estate. And it kind of like, oh, okay. You know, even though, yes, of course, this data is going to be on Zillow. It is going to be on Redfin, but it could also be here and be by being maybe more apparent, you know, more perceived targeted, you know, maybe that attracts some people in the search results versus, you know, somebody looking for these, uh, you know, larger sites. I think it does. And I think for me, I was able to optimize the content around very niche keywords. And and in our case, um, there's a couple hundred lakes and ponds in New Hampshire. So creating landing pages specific to those water bodies and, and getting that granular and the long tail search where the big guys were not doing that or were not able to on that level. And I think the other aspect is you can improve your UI and the search mechanism because you're right that the same property will show up across hundreds of sites so you've got to build a better mousetrap by which maybe it's easier to search or maybe there's some other features there i mean it's the same content but people will use different websites based on the user interface alone and if you can create a better user experience for the longest time zillow did not have a a way to search for waterfront homes. They, they do now, but I think it's still because they're doing it on a national level and real estate is so local. Our multiple listing service covers New Hampshire and Vermont. So there are location-specific fields that are not going to exist in Alabama or Utah, more than likely. And so especially around things like waterfront, which, again, may not be something in a, in a more arid uh, location. They may have other fields that that we don't have so if you are able to build a search interface using that you know an example is as well here is that we have because it's in the new england and things get cold and freeze we have seasonal properties as well as year-round so a seasonal property is think of it as three season typically does not have uh, insulation or heat or or people get running water out of the water body so they may not have a well so you don't have you know, so if someone is looking to use it as a ski home and be there in January, they want specifically year-round homes. So that's a another function that you can create a search around. Okay, by being yeah, just a little bit more targeted, a little more niche down, yep. um, and showcase that local area expertise. You kind of you know can climb the ranks that way and attract some visitors and hopefully some buyer referrals in that sense. And specifically targeting, it sounds like you know, second homes, luxury homes, like that may be the niche to play in. I mean, maybe like even a local subdivision, there might be an opportunity there if it's, you know, if it's super targeted and there's enough search volume around it. I just don't know if there would be enough uh, volume because I looked at like Snoqualmie Pass real estate, which is kind of like the local ski mountain for us about 40 minutes uh, east of here. Uh, According to Ahrefs, you know, a couple hundred people are searching for this a month. Like, is that enough to like start to think about building a site around? I don't know. My, my initial thinking is it may not be unless there is some additional long tail to build. Now, you know, I guess 
if you're coming up number one for that and you're capturing a lion's share of of that type of volume, maybe the SEO is just going to get them to your front door. It's going to be your website that's going to have to have a sticky enough feature that's going to keep them there. These are very long sales cycles. And uh, in this case, secondary homes are obviously discretionary uh, motion-driven purchases. Nobody needs a second home. And so I think there's a lot of browsing that happens uh, in that. And we're, we're all, you know, as a nation, you know, browsing real estate as a pastime for many. Yeah, a lot, a lot of window shopping. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm certainly doing that myself. And so I think the SEO will get them there, but you've got to have some other stickiness to keep them there. And again, I think that comes down to content, which is is king in, in so many niches, is that if you, if you think that there is enough content there and no one else has done that, then that may be a play. But then where do you go from there, right? I mean, if you were to we have a dozen ski mountains and areas and, and because real estate now here's the neat thing. You can be licensed in one particular state, but you can participate and share referral fees across state lines without having a license in a different state. However, you may not be able to get the listing data in a market that you are not licensed. So for me to build a site around new England ski mountains, I can get everything from New Hampshire, but unless I have a license in Vermont and Maine and that, which is not, you know, an insurmountable task. It's just, um, you know, the paperwork of it all and just doing and there's some There's some data fees that come with that, but, but I guess the, the point is you could build a niche outside of where you live. I mean, it is not impossible. Yeah. Is there an opportunity to be a, a you know, background or silent partner to an agent who already has a, presence there or even or already is like somewhat localized just to say like i don't want to go i don't want to jump through the hoops of you know doing this education and taking this test but i do like this idea and if i could somehow you know do it in an above board way without doing the licensing requirement maybe you know underneath somebody else like i'm an intern or i don't know how you'd set it up you'd probably need the license in order because you can't get a referral fee if you're unlicensed okay so you probably should have the license that this gets you in the club, so to speak. But if you don't have any interest in going out in the field, get your license uh, locally and then build that uh, lead capture website with a partner in a market that you're in. And, and I, I can't imagine some real estate agent wouldn't say, hey, I'd be totally open to, you know, here's our, our arrangement. If you are the one investing and generating the leads and all I've got to do is work and close these and share it comes with you. That's a that's a win win for them. You know, basically build a website, maybe in their name, but you own it and uh, you know control the property. That way, if it didn't work out with that person, you could just rotate it into another partner in that area. Yeah, that's similar to the rank and rent episode that we did, where it was kind of like we're going to make a generic sounding North Dallas Carpet Cleaning dot com or something. You know, whatever it is, and just uh, we're kind of agnostic of who those leads go to you know ideally we have you know one primary referral partner who is you know paying us monthly to maintain the site and send them the referral business but you know if for whatever reason they start to have crappy customer service they go out of business they get you know okay you get to swap out for the next guy on the list and it sounds like similar here and that was a uh, key- keyword difficulty of one for Snoqualmie Pass real estate so it's like oh shoot you know worst case you know you spin up this website you know it's a it doesn't sound like it'd be tremendously difficult to rank for that. The other one that came up was Syncadia, which is kind of this 
resort community east of the mountains. So it's like, you know, dry, you know, better weather, you know, it's kind of in the cascade rain shadow. And so that had 800 search volume and where, and a traffic potential was a lot higher. It was 3000, 3,400 visits a month. And so that started to get a little bit more interesting, slightly more difficult, but still like in the green, according to Ahrefs. You know, it doesn't take too many. If the, if the dollar values and the average sales prices are up there last year, I sent a lead to a a real estate agent who closed a $7.2 million lake home here in New Hampshire. And his commission check was a nominal commission check. And I believe I negotiated 30% of that. And so that was, that was, I don't remember exactly, but it was over $50,000 for a referral check for one lead for one lead. And uh, I've, you know, I've since sent additional leads because once you find someone that, you know, you know, can close and, and makes good on, you know, the referral, you know, you're more than happy to feed that person, whatever leads you get. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen every day, but boy, you know, it, it more than makes up for, uh, you know, your efforts to build that and, and maintain it. And if you're relying on organic traffic, you're not, your costs aren't that high. So um, yeah, there'll be some up front, but you know, to your point, in, in a small niche like that, if the price values are up there, which I'm guessing they probably are, it it wouldn't it wouldn't take, you know, one or two a year. Certainly makes for a good little, uh, you know, chunk of change. Yeah, no kidding. Kind of definitely gets excited about putting in the upfront work to you know form these relationships and you know go through all these hoops. You know, for the that carrot at the end, uh, the reward at the end. More with Link in just a moment, including setting up your referral relationships, tracking leads and deals through the pipeline, and his SEO strategy that gets traffic in the first place. But first, I want to share a tool that can save you time, money, and headache in your business. And that's our sponsor, FreshBooks. If you've ever been staring at a tax form wondering what numbers should go in which columns, or you've struggled to figure out an overly complex accounting software, and I'm raising my hand as being guilty of both of those, this is for you. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting and invoicing software that makes it simple to send invoices and get paid fast. Plus, it keeps your income and expenses organized so you don't have to be begging your accountant for help the day before your taxes are due. No accounting class is necessary, and FreshBooks' award-winning support team is standing by to help out if you ever have any questions. Inside, you'll find everything you need to manage your books, like invoicing, expense and time tracking, automated payments, and reports that give you a real-time snapshot of the health of your business. FreshBooks users save up to 11 hours a week by streamlining these tasks, which means more time to move your business forward. I want to invite Side Hustle Show listeners to take advantage of a special offer at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. There, you'll get 90% off your FreshBooks subscription for four months. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle. And big thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring the show. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Is it common, this is kind of like chicken versus the egg thing, to negotiate these referral deals? Like, do you have somebody in mind? Well, who, if I don't want to do this myself, like if I don't want to be actively practicing real estate or, you know, if we're going down the business brokerage route or the, you know, roofing leads route, like, does it make sense to have that ultimate referral partner in mind and kind of pre-negotiate your, uh, your deal structure with them first? I think it does. Yes. I mean, I think you know that when you've got a lead there, it's dying on the vine and getting cold the, the moment it hits your inbox. So that's not the best time to be going and trying to find someone to, you know, place that with. And that, you know, we, we've, I'm sure lost some over the years by trying to find a place, a home for them. So I think having those conversations in place, talking to people about what you're looking to do, recognizing that you may not have a lead for them for six to 12 months, but staying in touch, you know, doing your homework. And I think the biggest thing is finding someone who is, has the integrity. I mean, it's common to have a, a written agreement that supports this and most real estate agents work under a broker. So it might be a good idea to at least have a conversation with that supervising broker as well, just just to keep things on the up and up so that not from an integrity standpoint, but just because they're the ones who ultimately write the check. So I, I had a situation where a broker knew me and knew that I had referred some business to one of his agents. And he said, you know, I don't think this person ever paid you a referral fee. And I'd, I'd referred it out and, you know, I, I didn't have the best system for keeping track of that at the time. And I had forgotten about it. And so he mentioned the name of the, the client and I luckily did have a good CRM. So I went back and I could find the email thread and I said, yep, that, that came from us. So this guy went ahead and paid that referral out of his, you know, company dollar, uh, very above board guy, high integrity, I wish I could say that was the norm, but I don't know that it is for him. That was, you know, a year or so later. So he, he could have never mentioned that. And I probably would have never thought about it. And that, that was 12 or $15,000. So I think it wasn't an insignificant amount. So once you hand it off though, like, you know, it's, it's very much this honor system. It is the honor system. Yeah. Did that deal ever close? Do you have a system to say like, Three months later, six months later, twelve months later, I'm following up to see like what's what the status is. I have relied on the honor system, and I'm sure I've given away some money. So I'm embarrassed to sort of say I don't have a system for that. I do feel that if if somebody has paid out a refer, you know, don't bite the hand that feeds you. So once somebody has proven that they will pay out and a referral, anything in that area is going that direction for now. So that's they're going to buy my loyalty that way um, doesn't mean that holds the case forever but it, it's going to depend on the volume if you've got a lot of leads flowing around it's harder to track all of that there i suppose i could take the name of the person i referred and try to go and track that down somewhere or, or ask the broker but you know, at the end of the day time is money i guess so i'm just kind of going on that recommendation and, and i think I think it's going to come down to really building the relationship, the human relationship with that partner. Does that person have experience? Are they in it full time? You know, reading the reviews online, talking to their broker, getting a just 
just your gut sense of, is this person the person of integrity? And I think you recognize there'll be some slippage. You'll, you may lose some or somebody may. What happens if that lead converts two or three years later? Um, does that still count? I would say yes, but... Do we have a statute of limitations? On yeah, this? no, there, there shouldn't be, but some agents, you know... But what happens if that person then decides they want a bigger house and sells it a year later? Well, that was still your lead, but at that point, do you get something? Do you get nothing? Yeah, lifetime uh, arrangement. And you see that in affiliate programs too, where it's like 30-day cookie, 60-day cookie, something like that. Correct. You get a second bite of the apple at a, at a discounted rate. I mean, that that's the stuff you should all come come to terms with and it's not it's not hard to do it's just have it in writing make sure the supervising broker or or office manager is in the loop because that person that person can be another level of integrity and another set of eyes to see oh hey this transaction passed through did this one come from link oh yeah it did well we've got to get them refer i mean yeah and you still have the customer's information because they reached out to you first so you could always follow up on that end to be like hey did you end up did you end up finding that house you were looking for? And that customer information that for me that can be a proof of uh, you know initial contact. Yes, yeah. Here here's an email thread from last week with me and Mr. Smith showing that we had a quick conversation before I passed them over to to Nick. Um, there's certainly ways in a good CRM system you can try to uh, create a CRM system where that referral partner logs in and and somehow maybe has some of the conversation there or, or communicates within your referral interface if you wanted to. I'm, you know, that may get a little, little technical, but another solution is if you are part of a large brokerage, you may refer that to someone else within your company, especially if they're in your market, and now you're both under the same roof. So that makes it a little easier to see internal data around transactions and certainly to be able to lean on the, the supervising broker all right. Well, you've got me excited about this model because traditionally, you know, website-based businesses, uh, you know, whether you're selling affiliate products or you're relying on ad revenue, it's very much a volume game. How do I get more traffic? And it sometimes, you know, would take a ton of traffic to make that happen. And you know, one of the examples that comes to mind was Saw L, who was running this insurance-based website, and he was making in my mind, what seemed like a ton of money for not a lot of traffic because of the high value of insurance of, you know, referral leads. But it was like an insanely competitive niche. And so when I look at some of the, you know, keyword difficulty metrics for some of these primary keywords, that's where it's like, oh, okay, doesn't, you know, not super competitive, doesn't take a lot of traffic because it's, you know, such high dollar amount where it's like, okay, this could be interesting, even if only 100 people stop by every month. But if they're super targeted, then it still makes a lot of sense. Talk to me about the SEO process here of, you know, what kind of content that you're putting on the site, how you're pulling in the different data, like how, you know, how are you competing against the Redfins and Zillows of the world? My strategy was to build this thing custom because I thought there's a lot of SaaS models out there. And my feeling was that they all shared the same code base. They all shared more or less the same URL structure. And so that that, there was going to be similarities with that. So, you know, I built something custom and you know, would invest my time in it. And as far as the SEO, it was a lot of on-page SEO. So really looking at, because you your content primarily is your listing data, which is content that is in other places of the internet. So you had to leverage the data that was there to create your, your best to create some unique keywords and to just 
get that on-page experience as dialed in as you can. And of course, you know, th- those metrics are always changing. Last year, I invested some in link building to build that, and I actually would use Ahrefs to go and, and mine keyword data of other competitors to see if there's keywords that I don't have landing pages for and build those landing pages and you know that the strategy works fine, and it didn't. It didn't take a ton of content. Certainly not anything what we would call long form content. So, you know, people want to see houses; they don't want to read, you know, my blurb on on a particular lake. So, you know, demographical data I would add in there. You know, maybe some links to uh, outbound links to local attractions or things. Because again, if this was for vacation home buyers, they weren't as interested in you know schools or other things that a primary home buyer would be this was more about you know how close am i to restaurants or or how large is this water body how deep is it do they allow power boats um those are the questions that would come up typically in some of these category specific pages or like this you know this specific lake home is like it's only a couple hundred words of content if that at the top and it's that kind of stuff that you describe like you know a little bit about the area you know population lake you know, rules, nearby attractions. It's not, you know, 3,000 words of, you know, the Wikipedia entry about this lake. I would have these landing pages for lakes and ponds or water body landing pages. And then I would have internal links back to town and city pages. So every lake would, would be in one or more towns. And so you were, you know, thinking through the mind of someone who's not local to this area. They're coming here. They want to know, where is this water body in relation to wherever they're coming from? And, and in our case, a lot of it is from Massachusetts, the greater Boston region, even Connecticut, New York. And, you know, how far is it from home? And again, how big is this lake compared to other lakes? And, and are there, what's there to do on there? Are there, are there places where I can dock up and go get lunch? And, and most of our lakes are small where that, that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, is there enough room to go boating you know, water skiing. So these are the questions that came up that you would want to include on those landing pages to answer those questions. What worked for you on the proactive link building front? So I hired a third party company because link building is crazy and tedious. And uh, I hired a company that did this on a flat fee per link basis based on the domain rating. So these guys did a great job and I would build landing pages and we would create some content and then they would uh, link to that. You know, Certainly I leveraged a blog as well. So there was times to perhaps write some longer form content and then link back to some of the pages. So that, that almost became sort of like pillar content in that case. But, it, you know, six, seven months, we started to build organic traffic. And what I learned from that was I was building traffic for lower value keywords. So I was getting the traffic and I was getting some leads, but these leads were like, you know, cabin in the woods, which there wasn't a, a lot of inventory for it, but these were people that were searching for, you know, lower price point homes. A good agent is going to take any referrals that you're going to send them large or small because they're thinking again, looking long-term at that relationship. And you just never know where a lower price point may have a friend that has a higher price. I mean, you just never know. So a good agent should be looking at the relationships they're building and, and treating all leads equal. But the reality is that's not always the case because you're asking them to share part of that commission back as a referral. So it's just less pie to go around. So I was finding that I was getting some of these 
and they were more further off and, and harder to, to place. So it was an outcome I hadn't expected because sometimes we get, at least I got focused on, wow, LEP, I'm, I'm getting more backlinks. My traffic is growing. I'm you know, 50% year over year, but the type of traffic I'm getting and the keywords that I was ranking for were skewing away from the larger lakes, the more luxury, higher price point keywords. So there was almost a little bit of sacrifice going on, I think, there. And to the point where I actually reverted back to the previous version of the website, which had been generating more lakes. Now, it's tough because market changes and conditions and things, you really never quite know if it's you or if it's the market or what's going on. And of course, your competitors are you know, there, there are going to be some out there. Yeah, they're not standing still either. They're not standing still. And Do you ever play around with paid traffic at all or all organic? All organic. Um, I know that paid can work and there are models and people that do that, but I just never went there. I think you've got to have, when you're going to go play with paid, you've got to have your landing pages dialed in and your offers and, and you know, you need to have a good mousetrap. I think paid may work better when you are converting those leads and working that entire transaction because you're getting more of the pie then. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to buy a $7 million home, uh, I might you know, pay a few bucks to Google to get in front of that lead. I would, but those people are far and few between and uh, in most markets, uh, maybe Southern California. but And, and it's, it's very hard to predict I mean, it's very hard to, you you know, not like e-commerce where you can track that sale right through the checkout. Yeah. You know, the lead times can be long. And and so I don't know if PPC works that well. And and it's certainly diminishing returns too, because, you know, the Zillows and Redfins of the world are using PPC. And and, uh, I just, you know, I think it's a race to the bottom for little guys. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you, whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Are there any tools or technology that you swear by either, you know, website platform or to pull in the uh, listing data that either, you know, starting over that I would use today because the site's been around for a while. You mentioned, hey, it's custom, but I'm just curious if there are if somebody is looking to start this today, if there were a handful of tools in your tool belt that would come in handy. I'm a big fan of WordPress, like so many, um, for the platform. And I used an IDX plugin called Showcase IDX. Looked around at several others. And, and you, you could build this stuff. You could hire somebody, a freelancer, to build it all for you. But I had gone that the first route, and it, it was expensive. And and there were there were holes in it, so I think 
if you can find a better mousetrap, Showcase IDX, I think, charges either 60 or or $100 a month, and they, and they have all that data there for you. And another nice thing with that is if you were to expand in other markets, if they already have a footprint there, it's pretty easy to roll in. You know, if you happen to be on the border of one state and, and need to be in two markets, um, that's another option. So I, and I found their interface aesthetically worked well. I found that it, and this is certainly not a plug to them any means, but you know, it was easy to work with and I could build landing pages because again, most of us aren't super technical. So I, I knew WordPress and I wanted to be able to create landing pages pretty easily. So it, it, it worked well for that. Okay. And then that also helps the listings come down if they get sold, if they're inactive, right? Because that's like... Yep, it's a, that's all automatic. They take care of all that through the plugin. And, you know, the other, the thing that I liked about that one was that all that listing data lived on your domain name too. So sometimes there's solutions out there where all that, essentially most of your content will be sitting on a third-party URL, which doesn't give you any seo value so that really cut the pool down quite a bit because you needed to you needed to have that data living on your domain so it could get indexed and so typical you know conversion flow or visitor flow would be somebody looks for homes on such and such lake or you know such and such lake real estate uh, and they find your page they scroll through the listings say, hey this one looks interesting i think you got all the pictures that have been pulled in through this feed and then they they hit the contact button they call you what's tip what's like what's a typical you know win from you know cold visitor to warm lead capturing the organic lead i think is challenge number one i had tried in the earlier years with some uh, forced registration so you know you could browse the website for free after so many views you had to put your name and email address in and and that was you know that was a long that was 10 years ago and at the time that was not an uncommon practice but i think now you know, the internet has changed where I was more of the belief as I think others are, just make that data available. The plugin did allow for that functionality. It also allowed that you could hold back some premium content, some demographical data, because you're, you're trying to, you're trying to take that raw traffic and convert that to a identifiable lead. And if you were really aggressive, you could then call or, or email that person but most people don't want to hear from us that early on in their search so if you're able to get a uh, a lead uh, i just let it organically go you know a real good warm lead is when somebody filled out a form and says hey i'd like to see one two three main street you know this saturday you know so we called that a showing request so that that was someone that was raising their hand wanted to see a specific property in real life that was further along in the in the buy cycle so at that point you had that decision to make of did you want to follow up and work that lead yourself or just pass that lead right on to a referral partner and let them run with it and that's usually through the contact form or on every every you know product detail page there's a you know click here to contact us or, or something correct okay no that makes sense I was going to ask if there's any broader email capture website. The money is in the list. Everybody's like, yeah, you got to grow your email list. Is there like the, you know, lead magnet of, you know, the seven deadly sins to avoid when buying a lakefront home or like, is there like a, a higher, you know, top of the funnel lead magnet for, for site visitors? There could be. And I haven't taken it that far yet, but certainly you could create a lead capture, you know, behind a, a funnel or something of that nature you know t- top 10 tips for buying waterfront in new hampshire um 
you know, certainly could. And, you know, one thing I haven't tried is retargeting. I mean, because this is a long sales cycle and you're getting, you know, a lot of traffic just from looking, you, you can certainly, that's a form of paid traffic or paid ads that I think might have some merit, especially if you had some sort of offer like that. I think those are great ideas. I just haven't, haven't tried that yet. Yeah. What, you know, what would be a compelling offer for somebody? I mean, we've seen the sign that must be purely designed to get people to take a picture and share it on social media is like free pizza when you buy a house and you're like, I don't feel like these are necessarily in alignment. Like this thing costs $10 versus this you know, half a million dollar purchase. It is just, but you, you notice it and you talk about it and you share. So like, you know, trying to think, well, what would be that compelling offer that people would, would talk about and share? But that, I just was curious about that you know, top of the funnel email capture. I like this retargeting idea because yeah, long sales cycle. Okay, just getting back in front of people who may still be in the market, especially as, you know, seasonality changes. I imagine, you know, there's a lot of seasonality. I'm not really looking for vacation homes in the middle of winter or um, just as market conditions change too. And we kind of alluded to that. Well, you know, the market is not what it was in 2020 and 2021. So it's, you know, kind of, you know, almost setting yourself up now, trying to build the foundations for when, real estate rebounds. Yes. Yep. So heading into the new year, what's next for you? Any big projects, initiatives, plans uh, that's got you excited? I have been focused more so in, in marketing and you know, kind of pivoting to my, my other side at Hustle or, or kind of the more main focus lately has been around digital marketing and consulting. So I'm looking at trying to uh, move upstream in that to position myself kind of as a consultant you know it's an interesting time to see where you know the economy's headed and, and what the future's bringing and i think i try to be the optimist right that there's always opportunity out there uh it's just trying to read the tea leaves a little where that is and and you know just in talking today you know it brings me back to that idea of the the business acquisition aspect of it i've done i've done a little bit of m&a with some small client rosters from other web companies that retire and and when you when you get out and you meet people and you talk to people you find opportunities where hey maybe i'm i can play matchmaker here and it's the same thing in real estate you know you've got someone that wants to buy something and somebody wants to sell something and there's there's an opportunity in the middle there so that's something that i need to put on the to-do list to explore a little more here uh between now and uh, the first of the year when when there's some downtime Absolutely. No, that's, you definitely got my gears turning on different niches, different, you know, different areas where the same general model could be applied to, you know, who, who is actively looking to grow their business and they're hungry and they're aggressive and they're paying for leads. And how do you kind of help them achieve that goal? And, you know, by creating these websites with super low competition in a lot of cases uh, to go out and establish that credibility and authority and get that done which you've done an awesome job of at nhfinehomes.com. You can check the link out over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Don't look at failure as a bad word. I think that's part of the growth. I, I don't know if I learned that early enough in life because I look back at you know fearing taking ch- chances on things and, and you know, as holding me back. So I think jump in the pool. You know, If you don't have a side hustle, you're at the perfect time of year to get Start thinking about that with the new year coming up. Get that list of New Year's resolutions out. Get your ducks in a row over the holidays, and uh, you know, hit hit January first running. You know, I don't know where the future will take all of us, but I think it's a 
life's a contact sport, and it you know it's it's far better on the field than it is from the sidelines. It has more fun when you get in the game. I'm I'm with you on that front. Just a couple of things. I took a ton of notes during this call, but like targeting these higher end homes. If you're going to go the real estate route, targeting these uh, higher ticket services or other, you know, just you know where there's a lot of money, a small percentage can be a significant side hustle income. So it makes a lot of sense doing that keyword research up front, trying to see well where is there enough volume and low enough competition where it makes sense to go through the effort to build up that site, try and establish some credibility and authority. If uh, you like this style, I've got a couple episode recommendations for you in the archives. One that just came to mind was uh, John Doherty, who runs uh, Credo, I think it was Get Credo, an SEO referral service. John was kind of doing SEO consulting as a side hustle, ended up you know, having to turn away leads and thought, well, you know, wait a minute, there's lots of other friends that I trust in this industry. Would they be Would they be willing to pay me for a qualified referral? Sure enough, they would be. And so he built up this kind of referral network. We called it High Touch Affiliate Marketing in that episode. That's 273. If you scroll back in the archives, uh, hopefully the archives go back far enough, you're able to find that one, 273. That's a good conversation. And then we kind of mentioned the rank and rent model. This was Luke Vanderveer in episode 448 really interesting model where he built up this whole portfolio of you know highly localized sites targeting very uh, local services and you know basically charging companies rent for them you know these companies that were trying to grow their business they were established they were reputable but looking for incremental business and hey I'm happy to help you get that set up and charge a monthly fee for that. Sometimes, you know, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks a month. You can see how it doesn't take too many in the portfolio to start to build a pretty significant side hustle income on that. So again, Link, really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for sharing your insight. Thanks to FreshBooks for sponsoring this week. You can get your bookkeeping out of the shoebox and into the cloud with the help of the number one invoicing and accounting solution for freelancers and service providers everywhere. Just hit up freshbooks.com slash side hustle to get 90% off your FreshBooks subscription for the first four months. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.